Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I'm your host, Tommy Jones. I am so glad you're joining me today. This is a special series that I'm calling Things You Probably Shouldn't Discuss at the Dinner Table. Over the next three episodes, I'm going to be in conversations with Jeff Jones. Jeff is the founding pastor of Grace Church here in East End. He's the pastor of Grace Community Church in Fort Smith. And above those things, he's my brother. He and I are going to wade into some pretty important waters as we discuss the Bible and human sexuality, God and your money, and finally the church and politics. I was challenged by these conversations. I grew from them, and I hope you're challenged, and I hope you grow from them. I hope you're more willing to hear some ideas outside the box. As always, this is Off the Cuff. Let's dive in and see where we end up. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Off the Cuff. I am, as always, your host, Tommy, and I am so glad to spend this time with you today. We're coming to you once again live from the Grace Closet Studios, and I have a special guest with me. If you've been following this series, uh, I've been talking with my brother Jeff, who is also the pastor of Grace Community Church in Fort Smith. He was the founding pastor of Grace Church. I've introduced him with a lot of nonsensical credentials in the last few episodes, but he has um, not lived up to any of those, so I'm not going to do it again today. I'm just going to tell you He's my friend and my brother and definitely uh, my mentor in ministry, and so it's a pleasure to have him here with you today. Jeff, you want to say hi to everybody? Hello, everybody. It is great to be back with you from the closet here underneath all the poison supplies that may rain down on my head at any moment. This is a closet where magic happens. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful things. Uh, Jeff is in the closet with me, and so we're excited. And so we're on part three of a series that we've been doing for the last few weeks, and the series is called Sex, Money, and Politics. Uh, I thought those would be three fun topics to discuss with Jeff, and he has uh, willingly or sacrificially, whatever you want, agreed to uh, be part of this with me. And so we've gone through uh, sex in week one, and you can go back and check that out. Then we talked through money, and today we're going to finish this series by talking about politics, and the topic for today is how should a Christian vote? So before we get to that, which I know you're you're tuning in because you can't wait and you want to know, um, Jeff and I are just going to talk through some things around politics. First thing I want to I want to ask Jeff, and Jeff is answering these questions off the cuff, is why why are politics so incredibly divisive, even amongst people like us who seem to share allegiance to Christ? What, what makes politics so divisive amongst people? I think one of the things, and I don't know if this has always been a part of things, but nowadays we're defining those who disagree with us as our enemies. Mm. We assume their motives are to destroy us or to destroy America. And so when you define the person who believes differently from you as an enemy seeking to defy to destroy your life your country your family your values your faith it's hard to have friendly dialogue and discussion with one another yeah and and, i mean i we've all probably fallen into that trap at some point especially we're in the year 2023 so we're what two years out of the the big corona deal man it was so bad during that time and the people who, dis, the, the the tone of the environment. And what was sad to me, and Jeff maybe went away on this. If I was just going through Facebook or Twitter or whatever, reading 
comments about people who disagreed politically, I couldn't tell whether they were a Christian or not, because all the comments sounded the same. The Christians, those of us who, who believe in this, this ethic of love and this ethic of, you know, um, empathy, like Christians' comments were just as venomous as the normal world comments. There was no, there's no difference between the way Christians were acting politically and non-Christians that I saw. Yeah, it was a tough environment, and I think I spoke to a number of pastors who just said politically the last three years have been really tough on the church. And I think one of the consequences that's evil out of this is that we're seeing more and more churches that are characterized by uniformity of political opinion rather than unity around Jesus Christ. More and more we're seeing churches that are Republican or churches that are filled with Democrats, churches who, who are filled with people who don't believe in wearing masks, churches filled with people who do wear masks, you know, that's not the kind of unity that God has called us to. Uh, That's a uniformity that is of the evil one, I believe. Oh, that's good. And I completely agree. When you think of the originals that Jesus brought together, the 12, uh, there would have been no political agreement between Matthew and Peter. Is that fair to say? That's fair. And I know this because I watched The Chosen. There would have been no agreement between Matthew and Peter. There would have been no agreement between Judas and Matthew. I mean, uh, Simon the Zealot. These weren't 12 people who all shared political affinity or or even, you know, affinity in a lot of different ways. Yet Jesus brought them together to create great unity. And as the church grew, it didn't grow around political affiliations. It grew around allegiance to Christ. Yeah, and I think it always reveals that our devotion to God is becoming secondary to our devotion to a political party or an agenda or any one issue uh, when churches begin to be defined by political parties or anything else other than, um, you know, a, a unity to Jesus Christ as Lord of all. Yeah, and, and I think you and I would agree that participation in the political process is healthy. That as Christians, we probably have some, I don't know, maybe you could probably argue obligation to maybe have an awareness of the political situation, uh, to participate. Uh, But there's a point where political participation becomes idolatry. When you elevate party over over God. You know, Jeff and I have talked about this a lot, and I was thinking about doing a podcast about this separately, but this whole idea of the cross and the flag being next to each other inside of of the church building and you know, God and country wrapped in together. It's this whole political ideology that's become known as Christian nationalism, where, uh, you know, you're either with us and it's America first and to hell with everybody else. I mean, that's become an entire political movement within the church. And it certainly doesn't feel like a movement fueled by love. Yeah. And I think it, and I think many Christians feel this, and we should. Politics is strange for us. Yeah. Nation is strange, a little bit strange for us. When you think about who our new identity in Christ is, we are foreigners and exiles. In whatever nation or culture we live, we are people uh, of the kingdom of God. And, um, you know, we are the, we're a colonizing force of a kingdom that's not yet here. And yet we're also here. And I love America. Me too. Uh, I love America. I'm glad to be an American citizen. I don't think we're simply called to withdraw from the political process. We're called to be involved, but involved as one who always stands a little outside of it and who has, who doesn't have a home 
in either political party because both political parties, any government, wants to cloak themselves with the authority of religion. You, you see it in the Russian Orthodox Church, what's going on there uh, in Russia right now. But you see with it— the Ukraine, is that what yeah, you Yes, yeah. You, you see it uh, w in both the Democrats and the Republicans that want to, that want to cloak themselves with they are the ones who represent Jesus, what Jesus would really be like. Neither of them uh, is representative of Christ, and neither should we expect them to be. Right. Yeah, they're not supposed to be. Neither are we beholden to them. It is slightly embarrassing to me when Christians pretend that we are beholden to a political party for our existence. If some yeah. law doesn't pass, if somebody doesn't get elected, then the church will not exist. Do we stoop so low uh, as people of the one true king that we need some law or some political party or somebody to be elected? Uh, that's, uh, that's, I think, unbecoming of us. Yeah, or with or without this president, Christianity in America is finished. That if this certain person isn't elected and this certain person does, and this certain law doesn't pass, then Christianity's over. Right. I think we forget that Christianity was an outlawed <laughs> religion. It wasn't exactly uh, wildly popular with the politicians when it began. As a matter of fact, the leader was executed. <laughs> the, the leader of our movement was executed. Yeah, let's not give uh, politicians and laws and nations that much authority over us. Uh, we are the church of Jesus Christ, the children of the one true king. The gates of hell will not prevail against the purposes that God is working out in the church today. Uh, we are not afraid. We are not intimidated. We are not ashamed. Uh, and we are not victims. Yeah, that's good. And, and I think you and I both believe that we should participate in the process, like we said. But we shouldn't assume that the person who votes the other way is evil, that the person who votes the other way is somehow that we're, we're righteous and they're not. And that's, that's the, the thing. And I know there's certain, I know right now, even as I am saying this, you are listening to this going, well, how can a person who votes for the people who approve that be Christian? There is no way. I'm willing to bet that thought's in your mind somewhere. People are trying to figure out whether we're Republican or Democrat oh, right always, now. You know, yes, and so they're hearing all this through a political lens or a national lens rather than through a Jesus lens as people called to be unique and distinct in the world. And so, yeah, they're trying to figure out where we're yeah. coming from rather than just, hey, we're trying to come from Jesus and figure out what this looks like. Yeah, and I struggle with knowing who to vote for. I struggle. I, struggle. I mean, it's like I, I certainly have— what most people would consider a lot of conservative values. Uh, but I also deeply love people and have an empathy for humans. And uh, I, my, I, I have a high sanctity for life. But that life for me is also about the, the, you know, the child separated from his parents at the border. It's not just the unborn child. And so it's really hard for me to get passionate about one party and rail against the other one. I'm torn. I don't, I don't know that there's the party of the redeemed. <laughs> Neither party represents Jesus. I think we could say that clearly. I, 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 I'm not ashamed to say that. And I increasingly find myself without a home. Me too. I was at home in one political party I was more too. than the other for most of, of my life, primarily from where I grew up. And, yeah. and um, But I increasingly find myself without a home and think that's okay. Would you call us strangers in a foreign world? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's okay. That way we can we can play a role, but not be co-opted by the political right. parties, uh, but but still participate, be informed, 
but but not be used yeah. by them. And I'm also not trying to, um, what's the word I want to use here? Mandate my my faith on America. Like I, my my highest calling. I mean, I, I'm here, I want to make disciples, and I want, but like. I don't feel this massive uh, culture war that I must make everyone in America believe what I believe and stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to love people into that, not mandate people into that. Yeah, I think my passion more and more is for the church to be the church. Yeah. Uh, the church, I don't expect America to be the church. I want the church to be the church. And we live in a democracy. Uh, and in a democracy, the, the values and um, ethics of the majority will eventually fall over into the laws and all sorts of things that, that, that are there. And uh, the sky's not falling. Right. This is not new territory for Christians. Right. The call is always for the church to be the church. So let me ask you this, and you don't have to go into detail because you probably can't, neither will I. Has anyone ever gotten mad at you because you didn't take a particular political stand at your church? And do you believe that uh, the political persuasion of the pastor should be known by everyone in the room? I think the political persuasion of the pastor. Um, it's tough, isn't it? It's, it's, it, you know, we should follow Jesus. People should be confused <laughs> right. because you're right. I'm, I've got issues where I stand very heavily with one party on a certain issue because that's where Jesus stands. Right. I've got other issues where I stand very heavily with another, the other party because that's where Jesus stands. Uh, and, and so, yes, I have people who are angry at me all the time because I am not uh, loudly speaking against some issue. And they're always trying to read the things I say politically rather than scripturally. Yeah. I, I preached a sermon on loving immigrants. I just said we ought to love everybody. I didn't say we should be for open borders. I don't know how to solve that problem. I'm not speaking. I'm just saying if we turn away a family from Honduras who has left everything they've known and their family and walked hundreds of miles with their children because they're trying to seek a better life. If we say no to them at the fence, we should say no crying. Um, we should love. We should yeah. love those people. And some of them are our brothers and sisters yeah. in Christ, and we have right. more in common with them than our neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. Right. So what you would say is it's not a simple solution right? to dogmatically go on Facebook and make little uh, tweet-style posts and then try to claim you're righteous because of it. That maybe some of these things we should struggle with. Absolutely. And and be generous of thought with those who disagree with us that maybe they love Jesus too. And maybe we can disagree about the political solutions, but both be trying to serve Jesus because that's yeah. that's the area where we're held together is we both love Jesus, but we don't have to agree on how to solve these issues. Yeah. And what, what's been a struggle for me is knowing when as a pastor to move or get involved in some issue that has become a political issue that may have started off as a, as just a moral issue or, or, you know, but it becomes so charged politically that it becomes really difficult as a pastor to even take a stand on it because then you're suddenly aligned with the other people and you, because it's such a politically charged toxic environment that it's hard to know when to speak into something and when to, yeah, people are on edge, I feel yeah. like. And so, yeah, I do think, and, and I, I try not to, but I'm certain it's in my mind as I'm speaking about different issues, 
how people are going to hear this and can they hear sure. me through their immediate anger or whatever reaction they're Other having can, will they hear the rest of the message yeah. that I'm trying to convey uh, because everything's being evaluated politically yeah it's 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 a tough environment so so I think what you're hearing from from Jeff and I is our first allegiance should be to Christ and I think we agree with that so let's ask the question and Jeff and I will both answer it how then should a Christian vote? How then should a Christian vote? What are some guidelines? What are some principles that a that a Christian that, that you and I would say we could probably biblically demonstrate this? What are the what are the decisions a Christian should make when voting? For me personally, I I think it it involves not just seeing political parties but seeing people and seeing what issues are working towards life and blessing for the world um, uh, trying to avoid angry reactionary and being very cautious about how we use political power to enforce our own religious views um, I'm, I'm, i worry about that because i think that will bounce back on us someday I'm not sure I'm answering your question at all. No, um, you're around it. But um, that's yeah. my first thought. All right, let me take a crack at it, at answering the actual question that I asked. So when I say, how should a Christian vote? The, here's some of the things I, I think about. The one, like, number one, educate yourself beyond your normal choices of education. And so what I mean by that is, Let's say you make every political decision based on what you heard on Newsmax. I might recommend seeking out some other source of information. Uh, or I'd say, say if you make every decision based on what you heard on MSNBC, just to hit the exact extreme other side, I might suggest seeking out some other source of information. I would try to find a voice that was not the voice I already believed. The politics is one of the one of the greatest places where we find ourselves in echo chambers, where all we end up hearing is what we already think. And so what we think becomes gospel and truth because we're hearing no voices that think anything differently. And so we end up in echo chambers where all we ever hear is what we already believe. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, and I'm going to quote John Wesley on this one. I, th I think this was something you really, he said, to vote without fee or reward for the person they judged most worthy. So you vote based on, you know, prayer and education on who you think is most worthy. And then this is this is the part that I think matters. Speak no evil of the person they voted against and take care that their spirits were not sharpened against those that voted on the other side. Listen, you vote for who you want to vote for. Uh, I don't know that there's a Jesus answer. And I know you're disagreeing with me, some of you, and I'm, I love you and you love me and that's fine. But I think the main thing is, you can choose a candidate and publicly support them without publicly bashing the character and morality of another candidate that you don't know. You don't, you don't know their heart. And then make sure your heart doesn't become hardened against people who vote the other way, against people who stand on the other side of that. Whatever your politically passionate issue is, everyone has one, make sure your heart doesn't become hardened against people who stand on that other side. Because I'm willing to bet in most issues, in most issues, uh, that, that Jesus is far more concerned about that person's heart and their, and their life and their walk with him than they are that person's vote. Um, 
So I think those, when you vote, you, you seek out information. You do your best to make the best decision you can with the information you have. You don't vilify the other person and just, there's nothing I think is more embarrassing to Christians than when I see Christians bashing other humans publicly. Like, it's just horrific. And then make sure your heart isn't hardened against people who are on the other side. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's good wisdom right there. And I love what you're saying about read widely. Uh, I think we all are all living in an echo chamber nowadays. And one of the things I try to do I, on, on almost a daily basis, I, I read Fox News, I read CNN, I read USA Today, I read the BBC, and I read the Jerusalem Post. Uh, wow, online. that's impressive. Uh, so I, we don't have cable. Uh, so that's just part of what I do. But I, reading widely from perspectives I don't always agree with. Uh, has helped me, uh, I feel like, because I don't think we should disengage from the issues. I think a lot of Christians want to disengage. I don't want to pay attention to the news. Right. I don't want to know. I don't want. I do not. I think we, we we are called to engage in this process. Yeah. But what a, what a what a unique opportunity we have to engage in a way that's distinct from the culture. Right. Yeah. Then yeah, that, that's it. Yes. How can you and I? And this is probably the heart of the conversation. And I love that this is off the cuff. This is how we get to the heart through fifteen minutes of. But like. You and I are called to engage in the world, but not in the way the world does. I think there's a Bible verse that says something like this. I pray that they are in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. So I think one of the things we should constantly be asking ourselves is, how am I doing my civic duty, right, in a way that does not jeopardize uh, my sacred duty. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. Somebody should. That's good. Somebody should write that down. Yeah. How am I doing my civic duty in a way that still um, makes sure that my primary task is a sacred duty? Yeah. And so, how do we how do we pursue our political passions in a way that doesn't destroy people, doesn't create massive divisive gaps amongst Christians, and honors a God who said the greatest command is to love one another? Yeah. The fruits of the Spirit should be evident in our political life. Mm. It's, it's not absent. It's not distinct from who we are in Christ. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, should be evident and clear in the way we engage politically. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I, I think that's great. Uh, well said. I've enjoyed Jeff, anything else you want to add on this political? Oh, again, this is another one we come back to 50 times, but... No, I appreciate the opportunity to be here in the closet with Tommy again and to be a part of what he's doing. This is good stuff. Guys, I thank you. Uh, Jeff, I thank you. Uh, I could speak on a serious note. I thank you for everything you've done for me as a brother. And, you know, Jeff is the one who called me out of darkness in many ways and um, is the certainly the only one who saw anything pastoral in me. Um, it's probably a pretty questionable choice at that point in time, but it was a choice he made anyway, and I'm thankful for it because now this is what I get to do. So hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Uh, love to hear your feedback. You can email me, tommy at thegracechurch.net. I hope you have an incredible week, and uh, hopefully I'll see you Sunday. Jeff, I hope maybe some of your folks are listening. Maybe maybe you'll see them Sunday. I mean, again, this is listening to millions of people around the world, so odds are heavy that some of your people are listening to it. You guys are great. Talk to you soon. This has been Off the Cuff. 